Good morning and welcome to Kearney First United Methodist Church online worship. We are so glad that you chose to worship with us today. My name is Christy Harris and I will be your online worship host for today's service. We want this to be as meaningful as possible. So if you will click on the chat button, we would love to hear from you. We'd like to know who is worshiping with you and even where you're worshiping from. If you click on the three lines, that will take you to our menu. This is where you can subscribe to our church newsletter, get sermon notes, or even find out more information about our church. I want to be able to help you in any way possible. So please, in the chat, you can ask questions, you can write down notes from today's service, or anything that God has just impressed upon your heart today. Now, let's get ready to worship. Welcome to worship. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Sherry Oxendale, and I'm the 
pastor of Discipleship and Care here at First United Methodist Church. Just have a couple of announcements this morning, actually four. First of all, um, if you haven't already, please take your phone, point your camera at the QR code here or up on the screen, and it'll take you to the website so you can put down that you are here and with us, you're joining us, whether you're here in the sanctuary or online, that can be done. If you would prefer, just flip it over and fill this out with a pen or pencil and put it in the basket as you leave. Also, um, for the past, what, couple months almost, we have had um, the pleasure of having Katie serve in the back, but she's going to leave because we have a new hire, and Keith said it was okay. You can turn around and clap. Keith Hall is now our new communications director. <laughs> So we're excited to have Keith on staff and starting in December, he's a brave soul because there's a lot happening in, in December here. Speaking of a lot happening, tonight at 6 o'clock, our, our children are putting on a program called Jingle Jam. You're all welcome to come and, and be entertained and be part of celebrating the Christmas story. It's at 6 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. And our faith community nurse, Joyce Bradley, told me that I need to announce that this Thursday, at, um, I think it's between noon and five, you can come to the church and donate blood. It's through Red Cross, so if you want to make an appointment, just, just do redcross.com and you can set up an appointment to come in at the early service. Adam told me because you get a $10 Amazon card if you give blood this time, you want to speak, Adam? You can tell someone that their Christmas gift was bought by the blood. <laughs> and that concludes the announcement part of this. <laughs> um, so this is the second Sunday in, in Advent. So Advent is the four weeks before Christmas that we celebrate um, the coming of Christ. In fact, the word at, Advent comes from the Latin word coming. And so I'm going to invite the Gillespie family forward to light the first two candles as I do a scripture reading, and then we'll pray. So hear the words of Mark 1, verses 1 through 3. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make paths straight for him. If you'd like to join me in prayer. Holy God, your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In the fullness of time, you sent your son to redeem your creation. Help us to take this time to prepare our hearts to receive the good news of Jesus' birth. In all of our planning, may we acknowledge you, May we not lose sight of you in the ever-glowing list, ever-growing list of things to do. And together with our voices raised with the words on the screen, we say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. Well, good morning. Please stand and join me on our opening hymn, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates. Oh 
scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. Here's what it says. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider e- e- sorry, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. A reflective hymn this morning is Infant Holy, Infant Lord. Please remain seated. Please join me in prayer. Holy and gracious God, just hearing those words, Christ the babe was born for you. 
knowing that you know us inside and out. You knew us as we were knit together in our mother's wombs. And you love us unconditionally. Holy God, you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son. Had him come to this earth as a helpless baby boy. He walked this earth and lived a life showing us how to live as, as good humans. We fail you in that. And you knew that. So he was given up on a cross to die for our sins so that we can draw close to you. Although it's sad to think of death, there comes so much joy knowing about the resurrection. All that you did for us so that we can always have hope and joy knowing that with you there is all goodness, all light, all rejoicing. And we celebrate that during this season. Be with us in all stages of our lives and what we experience, whether it's grief and pain and suffering or happiness and joy and celebration. Let us know that overall we find life in you. Together we lift our voices in the words that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Well, friends, it's good to be together. Let me add my welcome to Pastor Sherry's. My name is Adam. If we haven't met, it's my joy to be one of the pastors here. We're in week two of our series called Lights, Camera, Christmas. And we're taking a look at uh, some of the most beloved Christmas movies we have and, and, and examining kind of the messiness that they reveal, the reality of life. And, and my hope is that, that ultimately we would help create an association with these, right? So that every Christmas when these come around, you all would think, oh, that's right, we talked about that at church. So whenever you see Chevy Chase, that you would think of Philippians 2. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a lofty goal. We'll see how we do. Uh, I, I wonder what tradition or expectations do you have at Christmas time? We're going to be looking at traditions and expectations today. When I became a dad, one of the memories I looked forward to recreating with my own children uh, was around sledding. I just remember nothing was more fun, especially when you should be at school, right, <laughs> than sledding. And a couple years ago, the day finally came, and I remember it snowed one night, and I called every store around, and I think I got the last sled at the Target on Berry Road at like 9.52 p.m., I went, and, I went and got it. So Aaron and I were so excited to go sledding and we loaded up and he loved it. Check it out. All right, this is Adam and Aaron, our second time down the hill. Here we go. One, two. <laughs> All right. It actually worked. It lived up to my expectations, right? I mean, you guys, you guys are all so kind. The ideal version in my head is what actually happened. And I don't know about you, but that seems to be more the exception than the rule sometimes. Amen? Uh, a lot of times it's the opposite around our high hopes. Uh, last, so not yesterday, but the week before, we had, we had got home from St. Louis visiting my wife's family. And we had this whole sequence laid out. We were going to set up the tree, string the lights on the tree, but not decorate the tree. We were going to do all those things without children as to be efficient and then decorate the tree the next day. So everything's going well. Tree's up. Get out the lights. Here we go. Out of five strands, one worked. <laughs> and I try to not go on a massive rant about this, but I, I don't understand. And so like any, you know, good American... And I went to Facebook to vent my frustrations. <laughs> Are there any that, like, any brands I don't have to replace every single year asking for a jolly friend? Like, I was very frustrated. I, I don't understand. All they did was sit in a very well-maintained Rubbermaid container for a calendar year. What happens in that box to make them just quit working? And so the last thing I want to do on a Saturday night when we just drove four hours is to go to Home Depot at 8.45 p.m. and spend more money on Christmas lights knowing well the whole time I would do the same thing in exactly one calendar year. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. That was not an idyllic experience. Now, I, I know on the spectrum of problems that my Christmas lights going out is not high on the scale. One, I need to pick things that are appropriate to share. <laughs> Two, I do think that serves as kind of a symbol of what can happen this time of year. Of what many of us experience, our highest hopes and our most ideal plans 
just don't turn out that way. This is the scenario Clark Griswold is constantly in in Christmas Vacation. Now, uh, a disclaimer. Like many things from the 1980s, PG-13 doesn't mean what it used to mean. <laughs> so if you have not seen this, don't show your children and be like, Pastor Adam said we should watch this. You've been warned. Well, it's like a TBS edit to, to kind of warm up to it. Uh, but all Clark Griswold wants is a good old-fashioned family Christmas. That's all he's after. He's chasing the idyllic memories of his youth. He's trying to recapture that, that picture-perfect experience. In one of my favorite scenes, Clark is, uh, has been mistakenly locked in his attic, which is freezing, and he's hunting around for something to bundle up with when he stumbles upon uh, some old film reels of his Christmases from childhood. Check it out. And the look on his face, the, the single teardrop, right? He's chasing that ideal Christmas. Do you have a certain idyllic Christmas in mind? What kinds of traditions do you look forward to? What has to happen in order for it to feel like Christmas? And what do we do when those things fall short of our expectations? What I hope we'll discover as we study God's word together is that we should release the ideal and embrace what's real. Because where do we really get the idea of a perfect Christmas in the first place? Are we remembering things better than they really are or were, like Clark does? Are, are we letting other things influence what we should be feeling like or doing in this season? I, mean, I think social media is an incredibly powerful presence and influence on us. Are we comparing what's happening with us to what's happening with others? Because that's a losing game. I heard a pastor say once that when we get online and compare lives on social media, we're comparing our behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. I thought that was really good. Like that video clip I showed you of me and Aaron, See, it looked like it was an amazing Hallmark moment. No, it was edited. <laughs> what I didn't show you was five minutes before he was going, all right, when he was crying and screaming because he got snow in his face and, and inside his jacket. See, it's, it's not reality. That's an edited version of reality. So what I want to give us 
is, is a look at the text and a reminder that we can be relieved from trying to create the perfect Christmas. Just feel, I hope you could feel that burden lifted because it would do, we would do well to remember that not even the first Christmas was perfect. Let's, 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 let's take a look at some of the data here. You're like, we, we, we do ourselves a misservice because we sing songs, and I love this song, but we sing songs like Away in a Manger, right? The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, any of us that have experience with baby humans understand they cry, which is not a problem, by the way. And so what are we doing? Like somehow the little divine baby Jesus was, had transcended crying. He didn't, he didn't preach his first sermon when he was two hours old. He cried. And so kind of thinking that somehow Jesus didn't cry, unlike any other human baby in history, is bad theology. And so I wonder how much that kind of creeps in. So let's do a quick recap of some of the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth and the subsequent few years that he was a child. At the time of his birth, Jesus' mother was an unwed pregnant woman, which would have been a scandal in her community. Also, Jesus was born in the equivalent of their friend's garage, not the picture-perfect scene. Jesus was also born under the reign of a paranoid, jealous, and treacherous ruler, King Herod. And as a toddler, his family had to escape by fleeing to Egypt to avoid being killed by Herod. Nobody puts that on a Christmas card, do they? <laughs> like, we have to check our expectations around Christmas because the whole reason for Christmas was our imperfection. That's the whole point. This is the theological concept called the incarnation that comes from a Latin word which means to enter in or to become flesh. Incarnation. Jesus, who was divine, coming to be a person like us. One of my favorite books ever is, is by St. Athanasius. It's called On the Incarnation. And we did a series on it last year, and I try to read it around this time of year uh, annually. Athanasius wrote an amazing reflection on what it means that Jesus became a person. And he wrote this in the fourth century. And it's still amazing all these years later. I'm super excited if y'all remember something from a sermon like by Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we, we did a little something here. I mean, for that to have lasted all these centuries, I think is incredible. The book is a treasure. And this is how old St. Athanasius described the need for the incarnation. Our own cause was the occasion of his descent, Jesus coming to earth. And then our own transgression evoked the word's love for human beings. John 1 describes Jesus as the word, the word become flesh. And so God's response to our imperfection, to our sin, was love. It was precisely because we needed help that Jesus came. So that the, the Lord both came to us and appeared among human beings. For we were the purpose of his embodiment. And for our salvation, he so loved human beings as to come and to be and appear in a human body. The birth of Christ was, was necessary because of our imperfection. God sent Jesus to show us what God was like in a manner that we could relate to, that we could understand. 
So we can drop all these assumptions that everything should be perfect because perfection was what Jesus left behind in order to be incarnated at Christmas. Philippians 2 is a, a, a chapter of a letter written to the ancient community of Philippi. And it's in the second chapter, one of the most famous pieces of uh, scripture in the New Testament that Paul describes just what it meant for Jesus to come into human form. We're gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. This is Philippians 2, verses six through 11. Though he was God, he, Jesus, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's, it's to aid us in all of our imperfections that Jesus was incarnated, the divine becoming flesh. And so at Christmas, Jesus gave up his divine rights to come in the form of, of people, the same people who would betray him, who would reject him, his friends who would disappoint him, and his enemies who would crucify him. Jesus was born and lived a sinless life and took a punishment we deserve. And in this, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to grasp for himself. He released it for the sake of the world, for the sake of me and you. I don't think we have the ability to understand how much this cost Jesus. Perfection was what Jesus gave up to enter into our mess, the mess of our world. He left the ideal of heaven to enter into our reality. So I don't know what your situation is this Christmas or what expectations you have, but I do know that the secret to contentment lies in finding joy in what you do have, not what you don't or what you used to have. Christmas vacation is the story of one Christmas disaster after another. But in the end, Clark realizes that it's his disaster to love. Again, I would remind you that not even the first Christmas was ideal and that Jesus' life was one challenge after another. But none of those things stopped him from leaving his perfection in heaven to be born into our mess at Christmas. He left his ideal existence to enter into our real struggle. And so if we want to imitate Jesus, if we, if we want to actually try and release the ideal and embrace what's real, how do we actually do that? How do we really try and put this into practice? Well, if we're going to do that, I'd offer you three ways we can try. The first is less stressing and more laughing. Edwin Friedman is a psychologist specializing in, in family systems. And he says the seriousness with which we approach problems, particularly in our families, can be itself a problem. Seriousness is a way of thinking embedded in constant chronic anxiety. Families that evidence such seriousness are as if surrounded by volatile fumes of anxiety and any small incident can cause a flare up. There will, they will always assume that it was the incident that created the problem, 
but it is the way they relate and think that gives any incident its inflammatory power. In other words, if somebody is all stressed out about carving the turkey, it's probably about more than just carving a North American bird from the genus Malegris. <laughs> I looked that up and was very excited to share that fact. <laughs> right, in other words, there's, there's something going on besides cutting the turkey. It's really about something else, something deeper. And, 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 and sometimes, whether it's at work or in our homes or our relationships, these atmospheres are fostered where little things are blown up into much bigger proportion. Friedman says that the antidote to seriousness is the capacity to be playful, which is not equated with making jokes. When playfulness is introduced into a serious relationship system, it can break the vicious feedback cycle that is keeping a problem chronic. In other words, when the lights go kaput or whatever that equivalent is in your life, just you can choose to laugh or cry or you can choose to rant about it in your sermon but not try and use any foul language. Uh, that's just me, right? Like I, I think that sometimes playfulness or, or, or not taking yourself too seriously can be an antidote for some of the stress we encounter. You know, I, I, I'm proud to report that this attitude, this approach has been passed down in the Musto family. Just yesterday, we went to my uh, stepmom's home in Lee Summit to decorate the tree with my nieces and nephews. And my nephew, uh, un, un, like on his own, just announced what we always call this occasion. And he said, it's time for the cussing of the Christmas tree. <laughs> and I knew we had done something significant. <laughs> right? When you come home and the lights don't work, it's just... The annual cussing of the tr Christmas tree has commenced. You got to laugh, friends, because the other option is you got to cry. Or right when, when aunt or uncle so-and-so is acting a certain type of way, hey, at least they're being consistent, and we have a laugh about it. Laughter helps not only take ourselves too seriously, it reminds us that it's a good thing to take Jesus seriously without taking Christmas too seriously. The second thing we can do to release the ideal and embrace what's real is honor the past, but don't reenact it. And this is hard because as much as we'd like to, there's lots of times we wish we could go back to. And my guess is, like my family, as in your family, there's some people we wish we could bring back and include, especially this time of year. But if we're honest, we can tend to remember things a little better than they really were. And we set ourselves up for failure because we definitely can't go back to the past, much less an idealized one. And so maybe you're in some type of position you'd rather not be in. You're, you're not as far as you'd like to be in in life or you're missing that person that's gonna be an empty chair around the table this Christmas. Um, maybe your family or, or some important relationship is far away geographically. You'd like to be in a different position right now, but be that as it may, what can you do that will honor the traditions you hold dear without becoming heartbroken trying to replicate them. And the third thing I would offer us in order to try and release the ideal and embrace what's real is less judging and more loving. Less stressing, more laughing, less, less judging, more loving. I would be remiss if on a sermon related to Christmas vacation, I did not mention infamous Cousin Eddie. Fashion icon, Cousin Eddie. His arrival really 
marks a, a change in the, in the direction of the movie. My hot take is that the first half of Christmas Vacation is better than the second. Because after Cousin Eddie shows up, I mean, it really goes down. It just goes off the rails. <laughs> and more than once, Clark has some thoughts about how Cousin Eddie is living his life. Because he and his family show up unexpected. And you have you know, ever the sweet host, Ellen, saying, we have plenty of room, plenty of towels, plenty of everything. And I, we think she means it. We're not sure. Uh, but this season may put you in touch with some folks that you don't see a lot. And you may have some thoughts and opinions on how they are or are not living their lives. Friends, people are not problems to be solved. They are sinners to be loved. And we have to fight the temptation to only demonstrate love to people who reciprocate it or only demonstrate love to people that we think have deserved it or earned it somehow. Jesus talks about this. He says, if you only love those who love you, that's not really that big a deal. That's not hard. If you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? So let's release our... our, our instinct to judge from time to time and let's focus on showing love at Christmas so the next time you're feeling the gap between your Christmas ideal expectations and what you're experiencing in reality I hope you can remember that not even the first Christmas was perfect let us all imitate Jesus who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but released his ideal existence in heaven Let's release the ideal and embrace what's real. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this community of faith. Thank you for this special time of year in which we're reminded of all the reasons Jesus came to earth. God, as we prepare for Christmas, help us not to lose sight of what's most important. Help us to be adaptable and malleable to the changing circumstances. God, help us to be open to what you are doing in our lives, even if there's some things we wish were different. God, we especially lift up those who are mourning this Christmas. And ask that as we prepare to receive the Christ child on, on, on Christmas Day, that you would be preparing our hearts to continually receive the strength and peace and love that you offer. God, help us to get over some of our expectations, lofty as they may be, and help us to love the mess that we find ourselves in. We give you thanks for all the things that are wonderful and good gifts that come from you, and we ask for your strength as we carry on and, and deal with the things that may fall short. God, help us to be like Jesus. We thank you for the incredible gift of his life and death and resurrection. Amen. Friends, we have a time as a part of our service to, to be generous and to give gifts to further the ministry of the church. And if you spoke to any church consultant, and there's a lot of them out there, and they all email all of us, uh, they would tell you, you, there's no way you should promote eight different things to give to at Christmas time. That's a bad idea. Well, not here. 
we support these organizations all year round and especially at Christmas. And I'm so, you know, the, the pile of gifts around in December kind of ebbs and flows as different things are delivered to each group. And so I'm glad that you all get to see today what the staff and folks who are here throughout the week see, which is like an abundance of generosity. Uh, last week, we talked to you about uh, a need we had at Watkins Mill. Some of you may be familiar with this organization. It, they come alongside kids who are separated from their families. And at Christmas time, we have the opportunity to get a list from them and, and get you know toiletries and essentials. And I think there's a Sour Patch bag in there, a Sour Patch box. So we announced that at 8.15 last Sunday. And by the time it got to 10.45, we didn't even announce it because they'd all been taken. We can't even keep up with you. It's incredible. Thank you so much. And so... The generosity of this church is, is amazing, and that is especially true at Christmas time. So we just wanted to tell you, thank you so much. We can't even keep up with the, with the way you all respond to the needs that are right here in Kearney, around Kansas City, and around the globe. On Christmas Eve, we're going to be giving all of our offering away to, to Love Haiti, our partnership with uh, our, our folks uh, on the island and it's just a very exciting time to be a part of this church because the generosity is incredible. Your, your generosity not only fuels all of these gifts at Christmas time, but all the ministries of the church. It, it, it makes the partnerships that we enjoy all year long, not just in December, it makes those possible. So we have multiple ways to give. You can send in your gift or you can drop it off in either box on the way out the, uh, the door here. You can give online at carney.church giving, or you can text the word give to 816-354-1760. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for so many generous folks who release uh, their gifts and place them in your hands for the sake of others. We ask that you would bless these gifts and use them to build up your kingdom so more and more people can come to know the saving love of your son, Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate, especially this time of year. And everybody said, amen. Please stand and join me in our closing hymn, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Shepherds in
So friends, as you go through this week, may the God of love be upon you. May the grace of Jesus Christ be with you and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Go and serve the Lord. Amen.